At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This episode of The Know with Nikki Spo is brought to you by PillowCube. All right, listeners, the cat is out of the bag. I am having a baby girl. And just as I was about to dust off my four-year-old pregnancy pillow, I learned about PillowCube's Kneezy Pillow. OMG, what a game changer. It's a knee pillow. It's honestly the best thing since, well since my PillowCube sidekick, I'd say. Stay tuned for more info on PillowCube and check out why you should use my code NikkiSpo10 to purchase yours today. Thanks to Sana Skin Studio for supporting the No Podcast. Sana is a skin studio that is shifting the relationship with your skin and your products through goal-driven facials, real guidance, and clean skincare. Stay tuned for our promo code so you can receive $25 off of your first facial at Sana Skin Studio. Welcome to the No Podcast with me, Nikki Spo. What is up, my friends? You are listening to the No with me, Nikki Spo. Thanks for tuning in today. Today we're talking about a rather whatever, like taboo topic, I guess. You know, I love to go there on these taboo topics. Today we're gonna be talking about women's libidos, all right? I don't know why society makes it a taboo topic. It shouldn't be one, it's part of women's health. And I'm so excited to have Dr. Renee Wellenstein on board today. Dr. Renee is a double board certified doctor who has been working with women for over 20 years. And due to her own personal health challenges, she stepped outside of the box of conventional medicine to take a radically different approach to heal herself from the deep depths of burnout. And we've all been there, right? About a decade ago, Dr. Renee was living what she thought was her dream life. She was an extremely busy OBGYN, married to a doctor with toddler twins and had moved to a quaint, quiet town in the country. One day in May, 2012, Dr. Renee fell off of her horse during a riding lesson and broke her back. She not only struggled with severe back pain, but with fatigue and the inability to focus. Two years after her injury, Dr. Renee was still struggling with unexplained symptoms. After exhausting all of her options in the conventional healthcare system, she was put in contact with a doctor who was a quote, anti-aging practitioner, all right? She finally received the appropriate diagnosis. Her symptoms resolved and she got back on her feet and joined the world of functional medicine. In August, 2019, Dr. Renee started Caspira Elite Health Consulting, LLC. Throughout her journey, she has certainly faced 
her fair share of obstacles and has mastered the art of leaping into transitions with each pivot. Now, Dr. Renee empowers women to take control of their health, jumpstart their energy, improve their confidence, and reignite their libido. I can't wait for us to get started with Dr. Renee Wellenstein. Here we go. Dr. Renee Wellenstein, I am so excited to speak with you today. I love rocking the boat and talking about taboo things in regards to marriage, intimacy, divorce, dating, and all kinds of mental health healing topics. So I am a thousand times thrilled to chat with you today about women's health as it pertains to our libido. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. This is going to be so much fun. You've always been, let's see, in tune right, with women and their bodies from a conventional standpoint. In your previous world, you were a successful OBGYN. And from what I remember about your call, like you really loved that. I did love that. And, you know, I would still be doing it to this day if it weren't for an injury almost 10 years ago, 10 years ago in May, that sort of uh, threw a, a little wrench in the, in the story and like caused me to pivot and, you know, into the field that I'm in now, but it was just definitely not planned. My plan was train as an OBGYN and die as an OBGYN practicing conventional gynecology. And so what about your injury? Like, how did that happen? And how did, and I, mean, I have so many questions around it, like how it affected you in your work and your overall mental health. Cause I know that depression was part of your story too, mm-hmm, or that's yeah. what you were diagnosed with, we, whether that is accurate or not. Like, we can Correct. talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I trained down in Connecticut, a suburb of New York city, met my husband. We had two beautiful kids had twins and, you know, life was just a little crazy down there. Like it was great as, as a single woman and then a newly married couple. But once we brought our kids into the world, I'm like, okay, busy OBGYN and my husband's a physician. Like let's move to the country. Yeah. So we moved to the country about three and a half hours from where we were residing and kind of back home into my neck of the woods. And of course this, um, farm girl, cause my dad was a dairy farmer. What do you do? Oh, when cool. you to- yeah. Yeah. Um, move to the country, you get a horse. So the horse that I had wanted since I was seven and here I was 39 getting a horse. So I got that horse and I shortly after fell off the horse and broke my back, you know, up until then I thought I was living the storybook life, you know, like here I was a successful gynecologist married, have two beautiful kids. So blessed by having them. And I was really working crazy hours though. (laughs) My life was pretty crazy between trying to raise, you know, at that point, infant twins and trying to juggle being up every other night, delivering other women's babies and, and trying to keep the house going. And so when I broke the bat, my back, it was literally, I was going 150 miles an hour to like zero. Like I was actually in reverse for a little bit there. And the next two years was a really interesting journey for me on both a physical and mental health level. Um, physically, I was completely out of work for six months. And mentally that that tore me up because as a physician, and I literally just got off the call with another OBGYN who was just like me in my past you know, we are so type A driven. And if we're not working and doing, 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 we're, we're, why are we here? Like, what are we, what are we doing on this earth? And so the fact that I was having to sit still for six months really was wrecking havoc on my, on my head. I was not feeling worthy. I didn't feel like I felt so guilty. I, you know, shame myself every day. Why aren't you at the office? Why aren't you, you know, delivering those babies? And so I was really doing a job on my myself for that six months, but um, 
I also, you know, was giving some unrealistic prognoses over that six months of, you know, you should be back to work in six weeks. And I wasn't. So why wasn't I better? And I'm a failure already. I never failed up until this point. Like I always excelled in, you know, you don't get through medical school failing lots of tests. Like you have to do well. So I always, I didn't know what it was like up until then to fail. And here's my first time failing at six weeks post injury. I wasn't back to work. I'm like, my gosh, what is going on with me? So, you know, fast forward a year and a half later, whereby now my, I did get back to work at six months, but my scope of practice was limited. I could no longer deliver the babies. I couldn't operate anymore. And that really took a blow to my ego as a doc. You know, this is what I trained to do and now I can't do it anymore. And I really had to put my ego aside because physically I just couldn't do it. And I was not going to harm a baby or a mama's life just because that was my training, you know? So I put that aside and I just would show up to the office to do pap smears. <laughs> and what evolved over the next year or so was the fact that I, I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. And I attribute a little bit of that to the fact that I didn't feel like I had life purpose anymore. You know, I was, I did not feel like I was changing women's lives, which is what I truthfully go and I went into medicine for. I, I, so I was going to ask you that, mm-hmm. like what made you even want to go into like gynecology specifically? Well, I love, uh, it's a happy field generally. Like you deliver the babies as happy, Mm -hmm. you operate on a woman, take her, you know, her menstrual problems away. Hey, that's Mm -hmm. happy. You're making her. So it's generally a happy field. Like I toured a quote, quote, toured a lot of different fields in medical school. And I, I loved elderly people, but I, I don't like dying. (laughs) I don't, I don't like death. Um, I know it's it's inevitable, but uh, it's not something that I wanted to deal with on a daily basis or having those kind of conversations with families. So I just wanted a generally happy field where I'd go in every day. Everyone is happy to have a baby or happy that they're going to feel better at the end of a surgery. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I really connected with women, obviously more so than men. I mean, I connect with men, but the women, I, I'm a woman. I just had this yeah. different, I'm an empath. I just, I feel them. I hear them. I'm energetically. I feel them. I didn't know that back then, but now I I can say that. Like, how did you not know it back then? I was not present enough in my mind and body to really feel. Uh, I was a doer. I was very concrete, scientific. Like, let me learn the algorithms, the protocols, and just kind of robotic. Essentially, medicine's very robotic. Um, versus how I am now, I I actually really I feel a woman's energy. I can feel, you know, even even across a zoom call or, you know, a podcast, I can feel a woman. Um, and I just can connect with her. Can you feel me? I can feel you. I love that. I love <laughs> I your energy. I hope it's good. <laughs> I love your energy, you know, and, and that's the thing. That's how I, I mean, we, even when we talked before this, this recording, like I felt even on the phone, like I can feel the energy. I know who I want to connect with yeah. moving forward. So, so that is really, um, something that was lacking though, after my injury is that I just wasn't making that, that life transformation for women. Pap smears. Yeah. Yeah. It's a necessary thing that women have to go through, but it just, you know, a woman doesn't leave the gynecologist's office getting a pap smear going, Oh my God, you changed my life. Right. So, you know, so there was that was lacking in the morning when, you know, I couldn't get out of bed and I still had some physical symptoms, including my back issues, but I also started to get these other symptoms like again, couldn't get out of bed. And I attributed a lot of it to the lack of purpose, but like terrible cravings, really poor food choices. I was gaining weight. And about the year mark for my injury, I remember saying to my husband in bed one night, I can't go on living like this. 
And I didn't have a plan, but the fact that I had two young children in the bedrooms next door to me, and here I am laying in bed with my husband thinking that I no longer want to live. I need help. Yeah. I need help. And so, and at this point, even I was very, um, secluded. I isolated myself from my community. I live in a small community. I felt like everyone was talking about me. Everyone was talking about the fact that I, you know, didn't fully recover all these things. Like I was making all these stories up in my head. Yeah. Meanwhile, nobody could care less, but I thought everyone cared about That's my how life. we operate though. We think we're the center of everybody's yeah. else's story. And really everybody's thinking about themselves. Correct. And like and their I- own stories and what they're going through. Yep. I know that now. I did not know that then. So Because it doesn't feel that way when you're in the moment. It really doesn't feel that way because your world is falling apart. So like you feel the magnitude of that. And it's almost like, how, how can't anybody else feel my world falling apart? Like this is so catastrophic or whatever. Like, like how can't you feel it? Right. And it takes a lot to like really step outside of ourselves and like see it from the outside, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it took me a while to realize that weren't focused on me. And, you know, so I literally go to the grocery store, I come running back home and just stay in my house aside from a couple days a week I was working. And so, you know, when it got to this point where I no longer wanted to live, I, I made an immediate appointment with my doctor and knowing darn well what she was going to say the diagnosis was, but cause I had already diagnosed myself, but I'm like, at this point, I just wanted to feel better. So I went in and I said, I know you're going to say depression. I just don't feel like this is what depression should feel like, but okay, give me the pills, please. Just, yeah. I just want to feel like, Just make it stop. Just make it stop. Yeah. And make me want to get out of bed in the morning. Make me want to play with my kids. Make me want to eat better. Make me, you know, just give me that pill. And she did, but the pill didn't fix it. So mm. I'm like, boy, I still have all these symptoms. Plus then I, my libido was even worse. I, my weight gain was even more. Um, my cravings were even greater and I didn't, I just didn't feel better. And so I did what every good patient does. We, we, I failed one pill. So I tried another. So this was like now six months later. And after I failed the second pill, same exact scenario, I was like, there's this something else going on. And then I felt so hopeless, like, God, I'm going to have to feel like this for the rest of my life. Cause that's essentially, she's like, what, what happens when your doc says, I don't know what else I can do. You're like, okay, I'm going to have to live with this feeling of not wanting to get out of bed, not want to play with my young kids gaining weight, feeling awful about myself, not having a relationship with my husband forevermore. I'm like, gosh. And so ironically, right at this time, I was put in contact with a functional medicine doc and it wasn't even for my health. I was at this point, I was so bored in my life. I was selling anti-aging skincare. (laughs) I was doing network marketing. I was like, let me do something out of my comfort zone and fun. And so I actually contacted this woman late one night. I was sitting in bed where I always was with my computer propped open. And she hopped on the phone with me and was like, you know, I, I sell my own skincare, so I don't need your skincare, but let's talk about you. And so we quickly got into what was going on with me. And literally within five minutes, she was like, ah, I, I think you have this condition that back then we called adrenal fatigue. And I was like, what the heck is that? Who's this woman I'm talking to? But I'm like, let me Google it as I'm talking to her. I'm like, let me Google it while I'm talking yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I pop it, all my symptoms popped up on the screen and we don't wow. really call it adrenal fatigue anymore. You know, there's adrenal dysfunction, hypothalamic pituitary adrenal dysfunction. Like there's big names for it, but essentially it's burnout. It's like mm-hmm. years and years of this really demanding profession compounded with a move with a, you know, twin babies. And then yeah. boom, I fell off a horse and broke my back. And so I was staring at my symptoms on a screen and part of me was like, 
oh my God, how did I not know this? Yeah. Like I have had all of this at this point I was practicing 15 years. How did I not know this? And how many other women are out there with these same symptoms, not getting better with the depression meds that are starting to feel helpless and hopeless as well. Yeah. Right. And so I was just baffled. And the fact that I was validated because up until this point, and I don't know how many of your listeners can feel like this at a struggle with something physical that they can't find an answer for. They feel like it's all in their head. And I was starting to feel like, God, you can't give me a pill for this. It must be, I must be making this up. And you, again, you start thinking people are thinking things about you. Like you're making this up. You're a hypochondriac, you know, you're this, you're that. Like we're so great at that as women, right? Like we're so great at like making us ourselves feel like such a failure and we're not good enough and all the things. But you know, Dr. Renee, like I'm hearing what you're, what you're saying. And like, I could tell you, I have probably of my friends, I have more than five that struggle with PCOS. Mm-hmm. And when I've listened to them speak about their symptoms and like their journeys before being diagnosed with PCOS and speaking with their functional health, doc- I mean, their conventional medicine yeah. doctors, it's like, I don't know what to tell you. Maybe just eat less sugar and work out more, you know, and the, that's like the dialogue. And, and my friends have been saying like, I work out seven days a week. I literally don't have any carbs, any sugar, any this, any that, and I'm still gaining weight. Like, so what am I just supposed to sit here and let this continue to, to be my reality. I'm sure you cover this in the fun that falls into like a huge part like PCOS falls under functional health services that, that the practitioners provide yeah, services absolutely. for. Absolutely. And, you know, we focus just in, even when I focus on libido, we just focus on the hormones the female hormones. There's so much yeah. more than that. You know, like they knock a lot of other things out of whack, you know, and how's her thyroid and how's her gut health and how's her mental health and her mindset and all the things, you know, there's so many things that, you know, our mindset can actually add a huge stressor to our life that we, we just think, okay, we're not stressed about our job or finances. So we must not be stressed. Now, when you wake up beating yourself up in the morning, like, I can't get pregnant or I can't have a regular period or I can't stop gaining weight. Like that is nonstop for women. Like you look at every piece of food and you're like, I can't eat that. I can't eat that. Like, it's just this nonstop. We berate ourselves all day and feel like, oh, we're not good enough. We're not, you know, we can't lose the weight. What are we doing wrong? We're never going to, it's this downward spiral that we get in. So when function from a functional medicine approach, you have to look at, yes, the female hormones are important, but there's so much more of a picture there than just those female hormones. So do you think that the world of standard medicine and conventional medicine and the mainstream medical society does a disservice to women in this way? I do, but you know what? They don't know any better. Right. It's like, that's, I was literally thinking the same thing. It's like, they don't know what they don't know. Right. No, I was trained both ways. So I can say that when I, so this is my revelation that one night, like, how did I not know this? Like I was, I was, I was angry. I was angry at what I had to go through, but I was also angry of like all these women that I'd seen that I was that same doc saying, Oh, it must be depression. Take the pill. Oh, it's not, it doesn't get make you better. Oh, I don't know what to do. You're like, how many women walked out of my office over my 15 years, that same scenario, or that's just one scenario. You know, any other, like PCOS, here's a birth control pill. Okay. Go off the birth control. pill. can't get pregnant. What else to do? I don't know. Go see an infertility specialist. No, there's so much more you can do, but I just didn't know what else to do. That's number one. Number two, I didn't have the time. Conventional docs are literally, I would have five minutes with a patient. How do I give her any life-changing information in five minutes. I was always not running behind. So if your doctor runs behind, just know that they're probably getting a little more attention. And, you know, literally some women, it's just, you have time to put your hand in your pocket, pull out your prescription pad, 
write a prescription pad. Now everything's electronic. Now we type them. But back in the day, and she walks out with a prescription for a symptom. And I feel like I did my job in five minutes because she's walking out with something she wanted. I mean, this is so how we're conditioned. And that was me too. As a patient, I was conditioned, just give me the pill, make me feel better. Right? Like, I'm so tired of feeling this way, just make me feel better. And I think that's what happens with a lot of women, people in general, but I work with women is like, we get to the breaking point and like, just give us a pill. And when that pill doesn't work now, what, you know, like now it's, if I have to go the more non-alternative, more alternative, non-conventional way of alternative medicine, functional medicine, it's going to take a little bit longer, but now I've completely lost her. Cause now she's six months further in after trying the pill. So it's really hard, but you know, I feel like there's that the time constraint on conventional docs, it's the lack of knowledge especially with nutrition. I think they may get more nutrition training now, but I got like 45 minutes of training in medical school and all of the nutrition knowledge I have now I did on my own. And then number three, if we can't fix it with a pill, we don't really know what to do. And that's kind of- Isn't that, that's wild. Isn't that wild? Mm -hmm. Which is why I was in such um, a tough spot back in the day with libido because I didn't have that pill back then for libido. And any time a woman would say, I have no libido, I'm like, oh, I, I literally could feel myself like sinking in my chair, like, oh, what do I do now? You know? What do I do? Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of pills out there now, but I still get droves of women in my messages and commenting on social media saying like, I tried all the pills are just not working. Oh my gosh. So I have a question about that. Do women of all ages experience this? Like, what are some of the key factors at play here when women present with low libido? Women of all ages experience it? Yes. 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 I think, I think we, again, here we go. It's a, we don't talk about it, number one, but then we all think, oh, it's just for when you get to menopause. And I have to say, I've had so many menopausal women that have amazing libidos. It picks up after menopause. So like we're stereotyping women that it's an aging thing. And I have my 20 year olds that come to me and, or currently on social media commenting, like I'm 18, I'm 20, I'm 24, no libido. And so like there, you know, and, and to say that it's just, I'm trying to change the paradigm here to think, you know, we are so quick because we're women and we're always called hormonal or emotional that we are, we blame our hormones for everything, everything, including our libido. And you can't tell me that the thousands and thousands of women that are out there experiencing a low libido, I mean, not even that beyond thousands, tens of thousands, because they're all finding me. <laughs> I know they're all out there and you can't tell me it's all hormonal. You know, some of them are on hormone replacement or we won't, the birth control pill definitely will affect your libido. It's a known, look at the package side effects, libido, low libido is one of the side effects. Um, but like all the other women out there that have tried the hormones haven't, and I'm, and I love hormone replacement for menopausal women. I'm just going to throw that out there. I think it's definitely got a place, but to think that hormone replacement for women, testosterone replacement for women, a magic little pill that you think that's going to fix it all is it's we're women, we're complex. Right. And not to say that in a disempowering way, that's an empowerment statement. Like we are so much more than just our estrogen and progesterone. Like we have so many facets, so many, we're so deep and we have to go in the deep level in order to get to really what is going on with a woman's desire, sexual desire. Dr. Renee, I think you said something really important that like is literal, but it's also figurative, you know, that women were so complex and we need to stop demonizing that complexity. 
mm-hmm. right? Or shaming the complexity. Oh, it's so hard to figure it out. Like, oh, she's too difficult. Oh, you know, how about like, wow, like I have, I'm multifaceted and I like, if it's not one thing, then it has to be something else. And I'm not making this up. That's my message. Because I think when women hear, oh, we're so complex. Oh, I'm so complex. Like how many times in a day are we called difficult, complex, you know, all those words. And like, then they, they become who we are and like in a negative way. And it's like, no, even with our periods, like women, oh, I got my period. No, it's a beautiful thing. Like you're cycling, you have a period, you know, your, your hormones are doing their thing. Like that's a beautiful thing versus that woman that's not getting her period, maybe wants to get pregnant or wants, like you said, the PCOS wants to lose the weight. Like, you know, feel for her that she's not getting it. You know, like we just, again, we demonize so many of our feminine qualities in our biology. And I think we just really need to change that and start embracing the fact, yes, maybe we are more emotional. We are. Our brains are different than men. We are. Absolutely. You know, we do have more complex hormones. They do vary in a 28-day-ish cycle, not 24 hours like a male hormone. Like biologically, we're so different. I hate to say it. And if you have any male listeners, I'm sorry, but they're much, they're much more straightforward and non-complex. I've worked with both. And when we come to quote, unquote, fixing men, much easier. Like they're very straightforward. We, again, we have a lot of little twists and turns in our, in our, in our life and our biology and our mental health or, you know, our physical health, everything, our, you know, spiritual, like we are just different. And I think we need to respect that difference and give ourselves some grace that it might not be an overnight quote unquote fix, but we'll get there. All right, let's take a break so I can tell you all about my favorite sleep product, Pillow Cube. You've probably seen me posting and raving about my Pillow Cube products. You guys, I am very serious when I say that I cannot sleep without my Pillow Cube. I am a side sleeper and I'm donezo with smashing three pillows together to find my comfy spot. I've got my Pillow Cube now and that is all I need. I even take the pillow on trips with me. The small Sidekick Cube fits in my carry-on and honestly, it's probably my most prized traveling essential. So as we gear up for summertime and I know all my Miamians are trying to get out of this heat, I want to challenge you to take your pillow cube with you and yeah, you can thank me later. But since the news is out, I want to share about another pillow cube product I've been using during my pregnancy, the Neasy Pillow. So it's not just for pregnant people, but I have to say, since I had kids, my hips have just never been the same. And I've had to sleep with a pillow between my knees, pregnant or not, for the last four years. Just as I was about to dust off my old and cumbersome pregnancy pillow, I received my Neasy in the mail and I haven't gone one sleep without it. The Neasy keeps my hips aligned and honestly, I've been sleeping even better. What a dream. I'm excited to share my code with you. You can get... 10% off of your Pillow Cube order by using my code NikkiSpo10. Head on over to PillowCube.com to get yours ASAP. You're welcome in advance. I want to take a minute to thank our sponsors, Sauna Skin Studio. The best way for me to describe sauna is that it feels like coming home. Unlike traditional facials, sauna's facials are rooted in education, and I love this so much. Every experience I've had at sauna has been a chance to learn more about my skin and its needs. I love that the facials are effective while also being accessible enough to be a monthly ritual rather than a yearly splurge. I'm honored to be able to provide our audience with a promo code. Use the code THENOGLOW for $25 off of your first facial at Sana when booking via sanaskinstudio.com. 
So Dr. Renee, how has low libido for women become, become sort of like a rite of passage and why is that thought process so dangerous? You mentioned, you know, like menopause, like we think it's that low libido is reserved for menopausal women um, when that's really not the case. And you see clients of all ages coming in for low libido. Why is it such a dangerous thought process to believe that this low libido is just a rite of passage? We've been told that. We've been yeah. told, you know, how many women go to their doctor and say, I've had kids. I don't have a libido. Oh, that's normal. Like when we that's normalize normal. things, oh my gosh, right? yeah. or yeah. I have high stress, I don't have a libido. That's normal. Okay. What are we mm-hmm. going to do about it? Right. Or I menopause, I have low libido. That's normal. There's no solution given. So when we normalize things, it's like, okay, I'm just, it's inevitable. I'm just going to have to go through it. Right. So like we're start waiting for that day that we wake up and we think we wake up and there's no libido and versus like it's been happening for a long time. We're just women doing, 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 not living present in our bodies to realize it's, it's slipping away as well as other things in our health are probably slipping away as well. We're just not realizing it until our husband one night says, oh, honey, let's let's, you know, go to the bedroom. And you're like, yeah, no. uh-uh." And you're like, oh, wait. And he makes a comment or he starts calling you out that you don't want to be intimate or something gets put on your radar that all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, wow, I don't want to be intimate. And why? Right. And then again, there we go again. There we go. Push, you know, pointing the finger back at us. Like, what's wrong with us? Like, you know, he says, go. And I hear this so I can say this. Go to your doctor, get testosterone, get hormones, go figure out, go get a pill for it. Go get a pill for it. There are lots of pills for men that work very well because they're, again, they have very different biology and very different things that are failing, quote, unquote, you know, at their level, whether it be erectile dysfunction or, or a deficiency in their male hormone. We're not like that. Like generally women don't have an erectile disorder. <laughs> you know, like we just, you know, we might have a lubrication issue, but like, why? No, but really? so seriously, why Dr. Renee? Like why? So why are these things happening? What are the, some of the other reasons? Like if it's not yeah. hormonal, like what are some of these other reasons that like, okay. And I'm going to give you I'm going to share like a personal tidbit. I had been on antidepressants for a long time and especially after the birth of my kids. And I hit that moment where I was like, no, thanks. I'm like, I'm like, no, not in the mood. And I don't even know that I was saying no thanks, but it was like an internal thing. Cause I was like, I know objectively, like my mind and my heart want, want like intimate time. But like my body was like, no, thanks. <laughs> right. So I remember that being a thought process in my head that I never even wanted to like share. I just like put the smile on and, and like went through the, the motions sometimes, you know, and I remember thinking like, why is this happening? Like what? That is so unlike me. It's unlike me. That's so odd. That turned out to be, you know, like the antidepressant that I was on. And I was able to like I was able to switch the pill, you know, and I was, and that was a good, that for me, that was an easy shift. But like for the women who are not on other medications or whatever, like that, that the libido is a side effect, low libido is a side effect of a a certain medication. Like what are the other lifestyle mental factors that are contributing to low libido in women of all ages? Yeah. I love how you point out there are definitely some medications that it's like the zebra in the room. Like if a woman gets on the phone, she's on the birth control pill, she's on an antidepressant, She's on even blood pre- some blood pressure medications, even like uh, medic over the counter medications for like allergies and reflux or heartburn, 
can actually do that too. And like, we don't, we don't, we don't like they're over the counter. They must be safe. No, there's side effects, but and we don't even think about that. Like, I, I, I know I'm like, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but like, like we don't even think about it. I'm like, if I look at something and it says low libido, I'm like, ah, nah, I'm like, no, I like well, literally will look at it and be like, not me. You know, we are so willing to accept side effects. For instance, I'll just add this and then we'll get into it. But I don't watch a lot of television. Once in a while, I'll get my nails done and I'll be watching a, a commercial. And on the commercial, it'll say, oh, take this for your, I don't know, your irritable bowel. Side effects include that, 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 death. Death. How many people hear that? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm, maybe it's not that particular, whatever that pill is, but like, there's so many medications out there that they will on an advertisement say death is a potential. <laughs> and people are, are blood clots and people are like, yeah, just give me the pill so I don't have my irritable bowel or my acid reflux or anything. I was like willing to take on all these potential side effects just to get rid of that bothering symptom. And I get it, but like how much further could we get along if we just figure out the why behind having that? But let's get back to your question. Like some of the other, a big one for women, stress. Yes. Stress is a big one that can affect a woman's libido, but more so in that there's the actual stress, but like the things leading up to her getting incredibly stressed, including the fact that you know, there's so many women out there, especially post pandemic that are like, it was bad before the pandemic, but they're doing it all. They're like, and, and they're doing it all one, because they feel like they have to, but they have to prove they're good enough or they're worthy or all the things they don't want to ask for help. They don't want to feel like a failure. Like this is so much conditioning as women that we have from maybe our younger years or maybe our profession. I mean, but that's generational too, right, Dr. Renee? Like we learn that from our mothers and our grandmothers and our aunts and our, you know, the women in our lives that we see come before us. Yeah, absolutely. And so we see it modeled on TV. We see it modeled in movies. We see it modeled in love stories, you know, everywhere. So like, we're talking about the gen, like the everyday stressors of like, again, pandemic, kids, virtual schooling, maybe moving businesses online, maybe losing your job, like all that stressor, but like also all the doing, like, keeping the household going, going to grocery shopping and making the dinners and cleaning the house. Oh, and maybe having a business and oh, making sure the kids get their homework done or little ones get their baths. And like, we wonder why we're falling into bed at night. We're wondering and why we're not, we are so tired. We don't even, you can't even think about it because to think about being intimate is just takes too much energy, you know, too much energy. And so like, you know, part of this is yes, we have, and I'm not here to ever I can't take a woman's stress away. Right. What I'm here to do is like, okay, how are we going to manage the stress? But not only that, how are we going to give you more time? Because so many women have lost themselves. Again, I just got off the phone with a woman completely lost herself. She doesn't even know who she is anymore. And it's all because of mom profession and that mentality of like having to do it all is expected and not asking for help because her partner, her husband is also very busy. And, you know, my feeling is like, we're a partnership, especially if you have a partner that can help. Like we're a partnership. We both, whether it be a stay at home mom and I'm not berating, like if you don't have an outside of the house job or even, you know, whatever, that's still a job. Taking care of kids, that's a job. And it's a job that still needs a break. Like just because I think so many women, oh, I'm just a stay at home mom. I have to do it all. I can't ask my partner for help when it comes to the door. No, you can absolutely. And you should. You know, I don't, I'm not for shooting, but like, I give you permission to do that. And so like that part of that's that just that getting over that superwoman mentality. Yes, we're all superwomen, but is it serving you? And if you're falling into bed at night and you're not getting your trophy for the day's work, 
it's not serving you. And this is time for you to ask for some help. So, you know, I always talk about my ABC method, like A's, like stress awareness. Like it doesn't serve us just run around. I'm stressed. I'm stressed about what? Like once we start quantifying, like being present enough and bringing awareness to what is stressing us out, that's the only time that we can actually start taking action to work on that. B is boundaries. Start no is a complete sentence. <laughs> you can say no. You know, don't worry about not being liked or what people are going to say or being judged. Like say no, protect your, your, your sanity, your mental health, your physical health above all else. And number three is the communication. Where can you ask for help? It is not a failure as women for us to ask for help. I'm sorry. Like it is, you don't have to do it all. And I always talk about my four D's like in a day, like what do you have to do? What can nobody else do, but only you? What can you, yep. What can you delegate? What can you ask your partner, your kids, maybe a friend, another mom, you know, maybe a coworker, what can they do to help you? What can you completely take off your list? We as women are so big on creating our to-do list of 50,000 things that we know we can only get three done. Like, what is it that that doesn't even belong in that list? So are we calling that delete? That's delete. And my four is what can you delay? So what, what, meaning like it has to get done, but not today. Okay. So what do you have to do? What can you delegate to ask others to help you with? What can you completely delete off your list? And what can you delay? And the other thing I'd like to say to women is like, start trying be it, with doing the ABC method and, and starting to get a little bit of help. Start trying to find yourself again. What do you, what brings you joy? What do you love? And try to do a little bit of that every day, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whether that go for a walk, read a book, go do a workout, just 20, 10, 20 minute workouts on YouTube you know, um, meditate if that's your thing. It's not for everyone. I know I love meditating, but it's not for everyone. Maybe it's just sitting, sitting still for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, like, or more, maybe just sitting still to figure out, like getting quiet enough to figure out what is it that you used to love to do. So you can bring it back into your life because truly women that feel super stressed that they're the ones doing it all at the end of the day, feel frustrated, angry, and resentful towards their partner. And they not only energetically, energetically don't want to be intimate. Anyone who has that feeling of resentment, anger, frustration, are you going to tell me you're going to want to be intimate with your partner? No, <laughs> you're going to be like, you don't help me. I'm not going to, I don't, and it's not like a tit for tat. No, not at all. But sh- I am all for women mentally wanting to be in the room with their partner and be intimate, yeah. not like doing it out of obligation. Totally. Right. So you remove that anger, that frustration, that resentment, you feel like you have a partner in life in your relationship on all levels. You're going to want to show up in that bedroom with him, not for him, with him. How does our mindset factor into all of this? Like low libido is really in play way before we even get to the bedroom, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And so partly it's that having to prove ourselves like that, you know, it's interesting what I do with functional medicine, everything's so intertwined. Like we can pluck out mindset, but like, where does that play in? So yes, not feeling like we're not good enough and that we're not worthy. We have to prove ourselves, which further stresses us out. But then we have the other side of like, okay, we don't feel comfortable in our body. We don't like how we look. We, uh, every woman I talk to doesn't like something about herself. Right. And it's usually not about neck up. It's about like shoulders down something there. So she doesn't want to be seen naked. She doesn't want to be touched. She doesn't, you know, she wears the baggy clothes. She, you know, she doesn't want to be seen with the lights on, you know, so therefore she either avoids the bedroom altogether, doesn't let her, him or her touch her or, you know, and, or avoids it altogether, 
intimacy that is because of how she feels about herself. And she always puts this like when I lose weight or when I get to this certain number on the scale or I will want it. And it's, you know, I'd love to tell women to feel like embrace the skin, your, the body you're in now. And I'm all for, if you want to lose weight, that's a great journey, but like enjoy the journey and try to love your body on that journey because our body hears how we talk to it. Our body hears when you wake up, Oh, look at that big butt. Look at those thighs. Our body hears it. How about like, Oh my gosh, look at these amazing legs that hold me up every day and allow me to walk when some people can't walk, you know, or the arms that allow me to do my hair or, or pick up my baby or, you know, just something about our bodies that we love, you know, and the fact that it's keeping us healthy throughout a global pandemic, you know, like just, again, love your body on that journey of being where you want it to be, but love it where it is now. So it really is an inside job. Like a lot of what I'm hearing is like, but on, in every, in every way. Right. I mean, like, obviously there are going to be like medical issues and there's like legitimate medical things that are going on that need to be treated. And sometimes that does require a pill, right? Like I think that that medicine is fascinating. Like I really do. I think that like herbal medicine and scientific medicine, you know, like I just think all of it is so fascinating, but I think that the power of our mind is equally fascinating and it has tremendous power over our bodies. You know, I've been meaning to read a book. Everybody talks about it. It's like the body keeps, keeps the score. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've read it, but it's like, that's like on my list of books to read because without even reading it, I'm like, oh my gosh, my body is keeping score of what's mm-hmm. going on in my soul and my inside and my mind and like my every day to day. And my body's keeping track of that stuff and saying like, all right, like this is, you don't want to slow down. I'm going to slow you down. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, you know, like you have, you're having anxiety, you know, I'm going to whatever. Like I just, I, I feel very strongly that my body definitely knows like what's up with my insides. And you just have to be present enough to hear that. So many women, we don't listen to our bodies, right? We don't, we don't listen to the messages they're sending us because we're so busy. We're just doing, doing, we're so busy. And I just encourage your listeners to slow down enough to hear what your body's saying. And the mindset component, this is why I incorporate it in my work now, because I've worked with women now over 20 years. I've seen a lot of success stories and a lot of women that fall back to the way they quote unquote were, you know, like failed, went backwards, whatever you want to call it. And I find like you can give all the pills in the world. And I agree. I do love conventional medicine. There's definitely a place for pills for many things. And and we wouldn't be here today without pills for certain things. But I think when we try to cover up symptoms with just pills and we don't work on what is going in, and, and sometimes you need the pill to get over the hump and then work, work on the deeper, whether it be physical and mental work behind getting better, feeling better. Um, but you know, you go off that pill, if you don't work on the inner things and some of with some of the conditions it's going to be there as soon as you come off. And the other thing being said, you can even from a functional medicine perspective, work on cleaning up your nutrition, which is super important for libido. Um, you know, detoxing kind of, and nobody wants to hear that by the way, Dr. Renee, I know, you know, like we don't want to hear that. Like the nutrition I, I, okay. Not maybe not we, I'll take responsibility. I don't want to hear it's my nutrition. I want to have the pizza and I want to have the junk. You know what I mean? And you can have that, but just not all the time. Like, right. I'm all, I'm all for, I used to be a lot harder and I was just having this conversation. I used to be a lot harder with how I work with women because that's used to be my personality, like all or none. Like that's not how we thrive. We don't thrive in an all or none. We thrive in a moderation, like, okay, maybe not every day. And just really starting, I think we've also demonized healthy food of like, um, 
because people think they have to choose between unhealthy and healthy, whatever that is. I think it has to be more of a spectrum. Like, okay, this is a better choice for most days of the week. And once in a while, I'm going to have the pizza, right? And, and you can enjoy it. Like if you're going to guilt yourself the whole time you're eating that pizza, please put it down. Your body hears. I want you to, I want you to moan when you're eating that pizza. Like I want you to truly enjoy it and be like, I love that pizza. But now tomorrow I'm going to, I'm going to sell it or I want to you know, a smoothie or I don't know, something. And so I, I do think there's, I don't think, and that's, I, again, that's another stereotype of like being healthy. You have to, you can't eat any packaged processed food. You can't have any sugar. You can't, we just don't thrive in that kind of environment or, or we survive for a short period of time, but then we obsess and we, we count the minutes so we can have X, Y, or Z. Or we completely fall off and binge and all of these things can happen. And it's just not, I'm here to give women sustainable, lifelong, tangible tools and tips on how to improve their libido, their overall health and wellness and their, their mental health and their mindset. So, and an integral to all of us, again, like we we're kind of where it started is, is what's going on up in your head about how you feel about yourself, how you feel about your relationship, your partner, just all those little thoughts that go through your head. Like what, what's going on in that little head of yours? And are you present enough to, to hear it? Right? Like there's just so many on, we have so many things in our head on this repeat that we don't even know is on repeat because they're so just ingrained in us. So I think it's really empowering that we can have this conversation, Dr. Renee, um, and help hopefully help women like take a look at women's health from a different, different lens and including libido in that conversation. I think that this is a really great preliminary start for our listeners to like really start paying attention and creating that awareness within themselves of how they want to be feeling, um, with their partners inside their own, like with themselves inside their own bodies and in the bedroom across the board. It starts with her. It starts with her. And, you know, one, and it will radiate out and radiate out into your, your relationships, your intimate relationships, relationship at work, your success in life and business, all of it. Like it starts with you, your health, your wellness, mind, body, spirit. Thank you so much, Dr. Renee. Thank you. Big thank you to our sponsor, PillowCube, for presenting today's episode of The Know with Nikki Spo. Head on over to PillowCube.com and use my code NikkiSpo10 for 10% off of your next PillowCube purchase. The Sidekick Cube is my personal favorite, but if you're all stocked up on your side sleeper pillows, I highly recommend you give the Neezy pillow a try. You will not regret it. Oh, and don't forget to use my code NikkiSpo10 for your 10% discount. More than a skin studio, Sana is a movement towards healthier skin and self-love. Be sure to use my code, the no Glow for $25 off of your first facial at Sana when booking via sanaskinstudio.com. Thank you so much for listening to The No. If you loved this episode, go ahead and share it with a friend. Words are so powerful and someone may need to hear what we covered today. And if you really loved this episode, please take a moment to rate the show and leave a review. Your comments are so important and valued and they give other listeners insight on what to expect on The Know. You can connect with me personally via Instagram at Nikki Sap Spo and The Know with Nikki Spo. My hope for you today is that you are fearless in looking inward so that you can be your highest, most authentic self and go after the life of your dreams.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.